you will, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be here this week and next week. Matthew chapter 5, talking about grace and goodwill. Now, typically, it's, a, it's, you know, things are obviously a little bit different now in this season, but typically we're preaching through a book, uh, you know, or a section of Scripture or, or something like that. Um, sometimes, though, it's, it's also, I think, fitting and good to, to kind of look at what's going on around us and say, kind of, what does the Bible say about that? How does the Bible speak into to, um, realities in our culture that we're facing right now? And so over the next couple of weeks, I want to, I want to do that. I want to talk about being good to people. Um, being good to people, and not, we're not talking about being good to people who are good to you, okay? That's just easy. That takes nothing spiritually from you, to be good to people that are good to you. What about people that aren't good to you? We're going to talk about grace and goodwill. Now, the current kind of social climate around us in our country right now is not good, um, you hear lots of talk about it. I know it's, it's not even necessarily all that new, but it's, we're a really highly divided people right now. Tensions are really high. Frustrations are really high. Animosities towards other people and other groups are really high. We see it probably most clearly in the political arena, though it's not just there. I mean, you have, you know, Republicans think Democrats are baby-killing communists, right? And Democrats think Republicans are neo-Nazi white supremacists, and, and nobody's actually talking to each other, right? I mean, it's just, that is the enemy over there. They're evil, it, it, highly polarized culture that we live in right now. I don't know about you, you watch the news, and as you watch the news, you just get mad. You just like, you just kind of, anxiety creeps up in you, and you, and you just get angry watching it sometimes. It comes out in all kinds of different things. I mean, we just talked about, you know, the whole mask mandate thing that we're, we've got going on right now, and, you know, for some people that are anti-maskers, you know, the, they, they, they might think that the pro-maskers are just, you know, pawns of an overbearing state. And on the other side, you have these, these, these real pro-maskers, and, and they might think that the antis are just selfish individuals who show no care or well-being for those around them. We just figure out ways. I mean, it's wherever you're at, you know, the other is, is wrong. The other is the enemy. And right now, we're just so polarized. We're so divided. Maybe it's in your marriage. And, you know... You look at your husband and say, he is such a fill-in-the-blank, selfish guy. He's such, you know, a jerk, Either, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, she is just whatever it is. I did not mean that. I don't know. There's a fundamental lack of grace and goodwill. And we kind of say that because we justify it and say, yeah, but it's okay because they deserve it. We can't even just disagree on some basic things. I mean, some basic things that shouldn't be that big of a deal. If you disagree with me, I don't just think you're wrong. I think you're evil. 
Of course, the implication is that I'm righteous in this and who I am in my position. Let's get even maybe a little bit more personal with the issue. Are you easily agitated with people? Easily offended, easily agitated with other people who don't do what you want them to do or think like you want them to think or act like you want them to act? Do you have an elevated sense of your rights? And by God, you better not cross them. It's my rights. Do you tend to see the worst in people? Do you tend to assume the worst in other people? Do you want those who offend you to to get what's coming to them? I I want them to pay. I want them to get what's coming to them. Because they offended me. They wronged me. We have too many enemies of our making. We have way too many enemies of our making. Now the passage today is going to challenge us in that. It's going to challenge all of that. What we're going to read Jesus say today is not natural. It is not what we just want. It's not where we naturally go. Jesus is going to challenge us. And if any of what we just talked about up above... If any of that characterizes you, then Jesus is going to mess with you a little bit today, okay? He's going to mess with us, and He needs to mess with us. Now, we need Him to do that. This whole section of Scripture that we're looking at, we're starting in verse 38, and we're going through 42 today, that we're going to do the, that immediate next section uh, next week, but 42 or 38 through 42 is where we're going to be today. But the whole section in Matthew chapter 5 that, we're, that we have here is about the law. It's a section about the law, and it starts with 17 through 19. I'm going to read that real quick. Jesus says in in, in verse 17, Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota nor a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever does them and teaches them will be great in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says, hey, guys, the law the law's good. The law's right. The law's true. And I didn't come to do away with it. I came to fulfill it. I came to fulfill it. Jesus is affirming the law, and he says, I came to fulfill it. But it's, the law matters, and it's not to be taken lightly. But what we see Jesus follow that with is that it's not just the law in the letter of the law, but it's about the heart behind it that matters as well. It's not just about the letter of the law and how I can make that work for me. It's about the heart of the law. It's about the intent of the heart in obeying the law. And so we come to this section. Y'all, you, you have several sections, and it's different aspects of the law. You've heard it said, but I say to you. You've heard it said, but I say to you. You've heard it said, you know, that those who, uh, uh, those of old, you shall not murder. Again, referring to one of the Ten Commandments. And who murders will be liable of judgment. But I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable of judgment. Same with adultery. You've heard it said, do not commit adultery. I say, if you look upon a woman to lust after her, you've already committed adultery in your heart. 
Jesus is saying, okay, the, yes, this is law, this is true, this is right. But let's also get to the heart behind it, the motivation behind it. So we come to verses 38 through 42, and it's about the law on retaliation. The law on retaliation. Let me read it to you real quick. You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Jesus is going to mess with this a little bit today. And we need it. It's good for us. The law and retaliation. What are we talking about here? Jesus, in verse 38, says, You know, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Y'all have all heard that. I think everybody's heard that phrase. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, right? Vengeance, justice, whatever. Getting back, getting even. Where does that come from? Jesus is here referring to two passages. Number one, it's Exodus 21, 21 through 24, and the other is Deuteronomy 19, 20 through 21. These two passages are primarily what Jesus is referring to when he says, you've heard it said. In other words, he's going back to the Old Testament law that he said was good and right and true and says, you've heard this said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. It's just... Those passages, real quick, Exodus 21, 21 through 24, what, what's it saying? It says, When men strive together and hit a pregnant woman, so that her children come out, but there is no harm, the one who hit her shall surely be fine, as the woman's husband shall impose on him, and he shall pay as the judge determines. But if there is harm, then you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. Do y'all, do y'all see what's happening there? You have two men that are fighting, and in the course of this, this, this brawl going on, this fight, you have a pregnant woman, and she's somehow hit, somehow injured in that, but she and the baby are actually going to be okay. There's a penalty for that. There's a fine that should be imposed, right? There's, there's a judgment for that. But if this woman is injured in a significant way, and so that the baby is also injured in a significant way, then there's a different penalty for that. And it's one-to-one. You kill that baby, you lose your life. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. A wound for a wound, a burn for a burn, a, a, a stripe for a stripe. It, in other words, the, the, the punishment is commensurate with the crime. They're to be equal with one another, the punishment and the crime. The other one is, is in Deuteronomy 19, 20 through 21. And it's talking about false witnesses here. It's talking about somebody coming and bringing an accusation against somebody and it not being true. In other words, somebody come in and say, I saw, you know, that person died. I saw them kill that person. They're, they're a murderer. They committed murder, but it's not true, okay? So it's a false accusation that's not true. That's the context. And it says that the same punishment that would have been applied to the one falsely accused 
should be applied to the one making the false accusation. It says in verse 20, And the rest shall hear and fear, and shall never again commit any such evil among you. You shall not pity. It shall be life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. An eye for an eye, as we've heard it said often. Jesus says, but I say to you, verse 39, you've heard it said, but I say to you. There's a couple of questions that jump out. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, but I say to you. A couple of questions. First of all, what is the point of Exodus 21, 24 and Deuteronomy 19? And the point is good. The punishment equals the crime. The punishment is commensurate, commensurate with the crime. In regard to murder, we actually see it several places in Scripture, but Genesis 9, 6, you know, if a man takes another man's life, then by the life of man, his life shall be taken. It's talking about capital punishment there for taking somebody's life. It says, for man is created in the image of God. You see the exact same thing in a few different words, but the same idea in Leviticus as well. Leviticus 24, 17. And so that's what it is. So the law says basically the punishment and the crime should be commensurate. Secondly, here's the question. Is Jesus contradicting the law? Is Jesus contradicting the law? Because Jesus said, yeah, you've heard this, and he's referring to the Old Testament law, but I say to you, and it sounds like he's saying something different. He sounds like almost on the surface, like he's saying, yeah, that's what the law says, but don't do what the law says. That's a problem, because a few verses before, in 17 through 19, he says, I didn't come to do away with the law, I came to fulfill it, and not one iota or one dot are going to pass away from the law until it's all fulfilled. So is he contradicting the law, and how does that square with what he's already said? And the answer is this, the answer is simple, Jesus is not contradicting the Old Testament law, he's clarifying it to people who needed the clarification. He's clarifying the Old Testament law, not contradicting it. So what is he saying? He says, but I say to you, do not resist an evil person. Don't resist an evil person. Uh, now, the word translated, you know, resist in a lot of our translations can, I mean, it's, it means to resist or to oppose, okay? To resist or to oppose. I, I think oppose might better capture what is being said here and help us to understand what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying, don't retaliate against an evil person. When he says, don't resist an evil person, in other words, somebody does something evil, what we're called to do is not to go back and do something evil to them to get back, to oppose them, to, 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 to resist in that way, but more forceful than what we typically think of the idea of just resist. We're actively retaliating. That's why it's called the, the you know, retaliation is what this section is all about. Jesus says, don't do it. Somebody wrongs me, what do I do? I'm going to get him. I'm going to make him pay. I'm going to show him. Jesus says, no, don't oppose an evil person. So what is the point Jesus is making? Well, to get how these go together, I think we probably should understand a little bit about how the Jews in that day 
we're understanding and interpreting Exodus 21, 24, and Deuteronomy 19, 21, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And the simple reality was, is the idea of personal retaliation. Personal retaliation, somebody gets me, I'm going to get them back because it's an eye for an eye and it's a tooth for a tooth. A burn for a burn and everything else that it says in those passages. Personal retaliation, somebody harms you, you get them back. Somebody offends you, you offend them back. I personally seek vengeance for a wrong done to me. That's how it's, I think it's how a lot of people today look at it. Many of the Jews Jesus was talking to at the time would have looked at it that way. But how's it actually given in the law? I said Jesus didn't contradict the law, he clarified it. How's it actually given in the law? Well, the reality is, when it's given in the law, it's not given to individuals. It's given to the system of justice, to to the legal system they had. It's not given to individuals, but the legal system. Listen, an eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth is about the legal justice system, not individual retaliation. It's about the legal justice system, not individual retaliation. It's actually referred to three times in the Old Testament, and all three are in the context of the official legal structure that they had in Israel, not individual justice. Listen, here, here, so what does that mean? It means this, if, if somebody... Heaven forbid, if somebody murders one of my family members, it's not my job to bring about justice. It's not my job to bring about justice for that. It's my duty to lean very heavily on the grace and strength of Christ and by His grace move towards forgiveness. It's the duty, though, of the God-ordained legal system to bring about justice, and they're to do it with complete fairness. It's not my duty to bring justice. It's the duty of, of, of the system that God has established and ordained to bring justice and to do it completely fairly. That's exactly what's happening here. It's exactly what's mentioned here. By the way, that's Romans 13. If you want to, if you want to look elsewhere in the New Testament there, the, it, the government does not bear the sword in vain, but punishes those who do evil. That's whose position, that's whose role it is. It's my duty to forgive. It's the duty of the system to bring justice. And by the way, let's look at the other side of that. It's not the job of the judicial system to show pity. It's not the job of the judicial system to show pity. It's the job to do justice, to do what's right. They have that role. They don't bear the sword in vain. That's what Deuteronomy 19 and and Exodus 21 are all about. The justice system is, is the punishment fits the crime. Not to show pity, but it's my job to forgive. And guys, you say, well, well I, can't, I can't, that sounds great, but I can't do that because sometimes justice doesn't happen and the, and the system breaks down and fails. So I got to take it into my own hands. Do you not know that we actually have a God who's sovereign? He can take care of it a whole lot better than you can. He doesn't need your help to bring justice. One day we're all going to stand before Him. 
and it will be right, and it will be perfect. He doesn't need your help. Jesus is telling them that they're totally misreading and misapplying the law, and they're doing it for their own purposes. It justifies their own pride and their own ill will towards other people. Individual retaliation. I'm going to get you. I'm out for you. So that's what the law was saying there. That's what that is all about. Jesus says, but I say to you. So let's look at the gospel on retaliation. We see the law on retaliation. What are the implications of the gospel on retaliation? Well, we've already seen it in just a right understanding of the law. Number one, don't repay evil for evil. Don't repay evil for evil. Look at what Jesus goes on to say in verse 39. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other one also. Y'all know, we've turned the other cheek. Turn the other cheek. Don't repay evil for evil. Turn the other cheek. By the way, you know, don't repay evil for evil is not actually in there, but it fit, and that's 1 Peter 3, 9 and Romans 12, 17. Turn the other cheek. What does that mean? He says, if he strikes you on the right cheek, by the way, not his right cheek, your right cheek, assuming that most people are right-handed, which they are and have been, slapping at, sounds like a backhanded slap. Let me give you the back of my hand, which would have been, and still is to this day, a tremendous insult, a great insult. What do you do? Somebody slaps you upside the head, gives you the back of their head. What are you going to do? Here, here's the other side. Is that what you're going to do? Is that what we do? You're going to retaliate? You're going to knock the fire out of them? You hit me? Look out. It's coming for you. By the way, that is the natural fleshly reaction, right? I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you back. You did this to me. I'm going to get you. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But it's not what Jesus says to do. Jesus says, turn the other cheek. Give them that one as well. How in the world can Jesus expect you to be mistreated and just take it? I think that's an important question. Because that's what he's saying here, right? You're mistreated? Swallow it. How can he ask us to do that? I mean, somebody comes up and just backhands me across the face, I'm supposed to say, here, here's the other side too, if you want to go for that one. How does he ask us to do that? Well, it may look something like 1 Peter 2.23. Speaking of Jesus, listen to what it says. When he was reviled, he did not revile in turn, in return. And when he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. What did Jesus do? When he was reviled, when he was mistreated, when he was beaten, when he was mocked, when he was doing all those things, he didn't retaliate. He gave himself. What do you do 
What do you do when somebody offends you? Ever happen? I mean, honestly, you know where one of the first places my mind went when I was thinking about this? And how absolutely silly and ridiculous it is? I've been to a lot of basketball games lately. I mean, we're like full, it's almost over, but we've been full steam basketball games. Basketball games multiple nights a week. And that gummit, I don't know what's wrong with those refs. But I can get highly offended when they don't call the foul they should call. And when they do call the one they shouldn't. And I give them a piece of my mind. I'm really glad that y'all aren't coming to the games. And I'll sit there and I'll say, you know, you know holler at that ref. Oh, that's like, I'm, like, it's, like they murdered one of my kids, right? And then I sit there and I think, what are you doing? What are you doing? What, what is that? How silly is that? How long? What do you do when somebody offends you? Maybe it's a real offense, not even something just goofy like that. Maybe it's a real offense. Somebody really hurts you deeply. What do you do? What about when it's your, your, your wife or your husband? What if it's, you know, your cousin who just runs you down for what you believe and what you represent? It's all kinds of your co-workers who think it's just ridiculous you know you believe what you believe what do you do don't repay evil with evil turn the other cheek Jesus says that's what he says number two give beyond your gain give beyond your gain look at verse 40 with me real quick and if anyone wishes to sue you and take your tunic let him have your cloak as well. Somebody sues you, takes your tunic, give him your cloak as well. What in the world? Maybe a reference or going back to Exodus 22 and Exodus 22, 26 and 27 says, if you, if you take your neighbor's cloak and pledge, you shall return it to him before the sun goes down, for that is his only covering. For it is the cloak for his body and in uh, what else shall he sleep? And if he cries to me, I will hear, for I am compassionate. Something might rightfully be given to you. But Jesus says, listen, you yourself, though, need to go above and beyond what is required. You need to give beyond your gain. You need to go above and beyond what is required. You need to treat people more kindly than you have to. You can say, this is my rights. We're really good at that. This is my rights. Jesus says, no, it's not. No, it's not. Treat people more kindly than you have to. It's not just about what you're going to get out of it either. I mean, that's kind of the point. You're losing in this deal, okay? In the short term, at least, you're losing in this deal. You may get taken advantage of. And you may not be appreciated for it when you do. And that's okay. 
You're going to lose in the short run. That's, you know, somebody sues you when you're already in a bad situation. Somebody's suing you and they're taking your tunic. Give them more than they asked for. You say, that's not right. That's not fair to me. Again, can we step back for a minute? Can we just step back for a minute and, and be glad that God doesn't deal with you the way you want to deal with others? If that's our attitude, that's not fair. That's not right. Praise the Lord that that's not His attitude towards us. Because if it was, we would all be in trouble. He doesn't give us what we deserve. He gives us grace. And here, Jesus is even talking about being sued. Somebody sues you and takes your tunic. In other words, they're taking you before the authorities there in some legal sense. Makes me think of 1 Corinthians 6. And in 1 Corinthians 6, it's talking about believers suing one another in the secular system. They're taking each other to court before unbelievers. And Paul gets pretty upset about that. But you know what he says in verse 7? He says, To have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. But listen to, listen to these two, two sentences, two questions he's going to ask. Why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? Because it's not fair to me. No. Jesus going to the cross for you wasn't fair to him. It's grace. And it's who we are in Christ. It's what we're called to be about in Christ. Show grace. Show grace. What is grace? Grace is, as we commonly find it, it's what it means, is unmerited favor, unearned goodness, unearned goodwill. We get goodness from God when we deserve hell. It's unmerited favor. Listen, think about this. Let's put this back in our context with other people. Being a gracious person is not about being good to somebody that's good to you. That requires zero grace at all. Being a gracious person is being good to somebody who's bad to you. They don't deserve. But neither do I. And that's what Christ has given me. Number three, go the extra mile. Go the extra mile as we often like to say it. And I don't know if it comes from this verse or not, but it fits. Verse 41 says, And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Somebody forces you to go one mile, go two. Go the extra mile there. Now what, again, for us, we think, okay, Nobody's forcing me to go with them anywhere, but for them, it's probably a little bit more of a practical reality. First of all, the Jews absolutely hated the Roman occupation of their land. Okay? The Romans were occupying Israel there. They were heavy-handed in some ways. They hated it. They hated that the Roman soldiers were there. They were overseeing the temple and when only... You know, they had built Antonio's fortress, big fortress overseeing the temple. And they even kind of, to some degree, controlled what could happen there and when it could happen. You had Roman soldiers there and 
They didn't belong. And so the Jews hated this Roman occupation of land. It was a huge burden and a humiliating reality for them. But there was also this Roman requirement that soldier can ask you and you're required to carry his equipment for a certain distance. Carry his stuff for him. And Jesus says, listen, don't do the minimum required. Don't do the minimum required. Don't claim your rights. Well, okay, I'll do it, but I'm only going to go as far as I have to go and no further. Again, it's about the attitude. It's about the heart. This is my right. You're violating my right. You're asking too much of me. I can't do that. I want you to listen to the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians 9, I'm going to read 3 through 7, and I'm going to read verse 12. Paul says, this is my defense to those who would examine me. Do we have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife as do the other apostles and the brothers of our Lord and Cephas or Peter? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit or tends a flock without getting some of the milk? Listen, if others claim, if others share this rightful claim on you, do not we even more? Paul says, we got rights. We got a lot of rights. And we can claim these rights and we would be okay to do so. Nevertheless, nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than to put an obstacle in the way of the gospel. What is Paul saying? Paul says, we got rights. You know, we got a lot of rights, but we forfeited them all for the sake of the gospel. My rights are not what matters. The gospel is what matters. Give up my rights for the sake of the gospel. Go above and beyond to show grace and kindness. Maybe to that coworker that seems to have it in for you. Maybe that family member that just absolutely gets under your skin. Goodwill and grace. When your spouse drives you crazy, never happens for us. That's what Amy tells me. What do you do? Are you kind? Are you kind? I'm not always. Not that Amy has ever driven me crazy. Are you kind? Can you be kind? Number four, be generous without an agenda. Be generous without an agenda. What does it say in verse 42? Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Well, that's interesting. Give to the one who begs from you and don't refuse the one who would borrow from you. Now, these are not, these are not unqualified elsewhere in Scripture. But I think we see what Jesus is saying, what his point is, what he's getting at. He, there's other places in Scripture I think there's some qualifications on that. I don't think it means that anytime there's a beggar, you've you got to give. And I don't think it means that anyone can ask you to loan them money and you got to loan them money. I don't think that. I mean, you, you do have some other qualifications in the Bible. Things like, if a man will not work, neither let him eat. 
In other words, we don't subsidize laziness or disobedience in that sense. There are other qualifications there. Jesus isn't contradicting that. Is there ever time to refuse? And Yes, but the question is the motivation. The question is the heart. If it's just about you protecting your own rights and interests, then Jesus says no. Why? Because you've given up all of that. When I follow Christ, if anyone should come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. It's not about me anymore. I've given up my rights. I'm not, you know, I'm free. No, you're not. Not if you're a believer. You're a slave to Christ, the Bible says. But if it's harmful to them, or if it's subsidizing disobedience or laziness, then the Bible says absolutely refuse. Absolutely. In all of this, Jesus is saying that you should not live as if your life is your own. As though your time were your own, your energy was your own, your possessions were your own. It's not. We are bond slaves of Christ. Slaves don't claim their rights. How in the world could God expect that of me? How could God expect that of me? Well, He does. Because He tells you to have the same attitude of Christ. Now, I've read this to you. I mean, y'all, for, y'all hear this all the time, but can we, just, we just need to go back here a lot. It's exactly what He's doing when He tells you to have this same mind among yourselves, which is also yours in Christ Jesus. Have the same attitude that Jesus had. Well, what does that attitude look like? Although he was in the form of God, did not require equality with God as a thing to be grasped or held on to. He had rights. He had, he, Jesus actually has full rights. But he didn't hold on to those. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus has rights, and he gave them up to die for somebody else who wasn't good to him at all. Isaiah 53, he was bruised for our iniquities. It was my sin. I'm the, I'm the bad guy here, okay? We always want to look out, and we're, we, we always want to see ourselves in this great light, right? I'm good. They're horrible. Do we not realize that, that, that in the big picture, we're the bad guys? Jesus is the good guy. And the good guy gave his life for the bad guy. And that's us. How does God expect that me? That's what Jesus did. It's the way of the cross. If you're not willing to die, deny yourself, you're not a follower. Somebody that comes after Jesus. Paul in Romans 8, 36 says, As it is written, for your sake, Jesus, we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. And you say, well, that's not right. That's not fair. That's not the point. Here's the deal. If you think that your rights and your self-interest and your self-preservation are the more, most important things, then you do not understand what it means to be a follower of Christ. You're missing it. 
In this passage, Jesus is bringing that application home. It's about loving and being good to those who don't necessarily love you and aren't necessarily good to you. Can we do it? That's what it looks like to follow Christ. I think the need of the hour in our, in our culture right now is a little goodwill and grace. A lot of goodwill and grace. It's not about me. Goodwill and grace. Now next week, next week we're going to hear Jesus tell us we've got to love our enemies. That's going to be fun, right? Love your enemies. How can we do that? How can we be good to those who aren't good of us? And the answer is because that's exactly what God has done for you and for me. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the gospel. And God, I thank you for what you did for us through the gospel. Lord, we were your enemies and you've made us your friends, God. And you did that because while we were your enemies, you died for us. Thank you for grace. God, make us a people of grace and goodwill in a pretty harsh climate and world right now. In Jesus' name, amen.